Hey, I'm Kirsty. I'm AJ. We're two besties who grew up next door to each other and we've managed to stay friends even though we have almost nothing in common. So welcome to the How Are We Still Friends podcast, where two opposites look at what life's like on the other side of the fence. All right, Kirsty, we are here for our second episode, which I'm so impressed with because honestly, I thought we might just chicken out after the first one. I can't believe we made it to two. I think that deserves a solid pat on the back. (laughs) By the time you're listening to this, obviously you'll have listened to the first one, but um, we have actually launched and not told anybody about it. (laughs) It's a big secret. It's because we're both really chicken and we don't like putting ourselves out there. I suppose we probably should, I don't know, do a post or something and tell people where it is, you know, considering that we're on Google Podcasts, Podbean. Spotify, we'll be on Apple Podcasts soon or hopefully by now. We're everywhere. Kirst- Find us everywhere. <laughs> Kirsty is very much the, um, she's clued in. She's got street smart. So she's the business manager component <laughs> of this. I do the artsy fartsy <laughs> stuff and she takes care of like everything that's sensible. I think that's why it works though, because you tried to show me how to use Canva and I nearly had an aneurysm and then I literally couldn't even figure out how to (laughs) copy a post to my story on Instagram or something like that and you had to screen record the instructions (laughs) such a basic task and send it to me like I was a boomer I've never felt so old and decrepit in my life (laughs) I mean you said it but it was to how to share a post to your story (laughs) And you overcomplicated it. That was your problem. You overcomplicated it. I know. It's really not that hard, but um, turns out it kind of was. Yeah. So here in Melbourne, we've, we've been, what, two weeks out of our last lockdown, something like mm. that. Mm-hmm. Have you gone out yep. very much at all? So much. And I've put on so much weight already because I've just been eating and eating and eating. Oh, let's go here for lunch. Let's go here for dinner. Oh, do you want to come to my house? I'll make a giant cheese board. I'm starting to look like cheese. It's bad. Yes. I realized that um, I can't afford non-lockdown Melbourne at all. <laughs> and it's wearing down my self-esteem greatly. <laughs> Aww. So Tell me about it. <laughs> oh, man. So I went out uh, on Saturday um, with some friends to celebrate a birthday party. We went to a bar in, um, in, in the inner city. And, I mean, I don't go out very much as it is anyway. I'm not a big drinker, but also I am a freelancing copywriter who freaks out when she has to work five days a week. So (laughs) I keep my work uh, life to a minimum. And that means, unfortunately, that my income also is comparatively minimum. (laughs) Right? Right. It's, but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, Again, it wouldn't work for me because we have very different lifestyles, as people love to point out to us. But, you know, I'm more on the maximalist side. You're more on the minimalist side. And I think your income probably facilitates that pretty well most of the time, right? Yeah. So, I mean, coming back into the world has sort of emphasised a few things in my life that uh, I can get away with when we're in lockdown. And so that is the first one that I don't tend to spend overly much money. And uh, at this bar, people were, you know, just they had a tab running and ordering drinks left, right and centre, putting food on the table. And I was that person who was like, 
you know, going over to the bartender and like, so what's actually the, like the cheapest drink on tap? Seriously, you know, I'm that person. Um, and I, I got a bowl of chips just to be like, see, I contributed. Um, but the second thing as well is that uh, it's reminded me of just how single I am. <laughs> oh, how tragic. tragic. It's so bad. So uh, there was... Uh, from what I can understand, perhaps one other person there who was single, male, and it did just kind of feel, when you go to events like these, it just kind of feels like if you are there and there is one other person there who is a single male, that it must have been a setup, you know, which I, mm-hmm. I know it, it wouldn't have been. Um, but it kind of just feels like you get lumped together. Um, <laughs> like, it's like I you, can you imagine. Go to, yeah, it's like you go to a dinner party and the kids get the kids' table. It's like you get put on the singles' table. <laughs> well, firstly, was he cute? Um, he was he was decent. Like you know, if he had taken my asked for my number, I probably would have given it just because I know that I need to be a little bit more open and out there. But at the same time, I'm not really on the market. I'm not advertising myself. If I come across someone who I enjoy their company with, I would go out with them. But I'm not. I like my lifestyle the way that it is and it would demand a lot of me to change it now. (laughs) So that's interesting. So what you're saying is that you were very conscious of being single, but at the same time that wasn't a bad thing necessarily, Mm, right? Yeah, I think that's it is that when you go out in a group of people, I mean, actually I felt it, um, when I've hung out with your friendship groups as well, because I'm the only single person uh, in your friendship groups. Mm. And there's just levels of conversation that you don't really have any agency to partake in, you know? Um, So at this, um, this event on Saturday, there were two families with babies. So there was a lot of baby talk, um, Mm. So, of course, the single guy and I kind of just sat there on the corner and was like, do you know what they're talking about? Ooh, you know. <laughs> but at least it gives you two something in common to talk about, like how right. shit babies are. <laughs> so we're bonding over our singleness. There's <laughs> this whole other issue, though, with um, being single in your 30s is that you don't quite know when you're talking to a single person how you can speak about having babies you know because they may be desiring one themselves and you know they may be in the pursuit of a lifelong partner who they can marry really fast so they can have their family really fast so it's this kind of scooping out to be like so so babies what do you what do you know about them Mm -hmm. think about them that's a good point although I suppose even if somebody is not single you kind of don't want to be asking questions about having babies just in case you know they're suffering from infertility or they're having difficulties or it's interesting. I personally am quite an open book when it comes to my family journey, I guess. Um, But I do know that some people prefer to keep their struggles and maybe their tragedies behind the scenes and not talk about it. So I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily agree that it's just a single thing that you kind of don't know how to talk about babies because I think it can really happen with with coupled married people who are already parents it's just a touchy topic all the time true how long were you with Daniel before you had Hux uh oh uh I can't count that high um (laughs) 
Well, you what got are we married. Coming up to? We're coming up to 16 years together. Jesus. So 15, 14 and a, 14 and a half. Yeah. So then I feel like you must have faced that pressure as well coming from certain circles. My God. The second we got married, it's when are you having kids from everybody. And to me, it was a little, uh, I don't know if frustrating is the word because I kind of just didn't really care. No one can push me to do anything that I don't want to do. So I'll have kids when I'm ready. Thanks very much. And you can keep whinging about it if you want. I don't care. Um, pardon me, but I did find that once I had Hux, the questions about the second one slowed down. I was expecting them to sort of come thick and fast, you know, kind of maybe when he hit one year old. Um, But so far I haven't had a lot of it, which is great. Um, You know, we'll be trying to have a second one soon-ish and it's just something that I'm feeling a little bit more open about this time, but hopefully we have success. Um, so far, it hasn't been very successful. I suffered a chemical pregnancy, they call it, recently, which is um, a really, really early loss. Um, so basically, it just didn't stick. Uh, and that's okay. I'm fine with it. Um, but I know that for people suffering from uh you know, multiple miscarriages or people who have been trying for a long time, these kinds of things can be really, really sad for people and really hard to deal with. And, you know, I'm quite lucky that I have had success in the past falling pregnant, you know, and having a child. Um, And I feel like hopefully soon we'll, we'll fall pregnant with the second one successfully, but you know, not everybody can. I have, um, one of my sisters is married to a woman and I love them both very much, but obviously they're not going to be able to fall pregnant naturally. So um, when they're ready, they're going to probably head off on an IVF journey and that's a whole other kettle of fish, isn't it? So I'm really grateful that, you know, I don't have that obstacle in front of me right from the start. You know, so, but yeah, pregnancy and kids is just such a polarizing, upsetting, but also joyful topic that you just kind of need to be careful with, I think. Yes. I don't, I never know what to say, actually. I, to be honest with you, have been asked by guys, by everyone, but by guys, whether I want a child. And it's so funny because I've always sort of you know thought of names for children I've collected my childhood books for children um you know that I'm going to have um I always when I was a kid funnily enough I always pictured myself as a single mum the man just didn't feature I don't know why I had a cousin who um lived with her mum and I think I just liked their bond and thought oh that that would be nice that's simple I have no idea perhaps I just didn't quite clock into what was involved in baby making um (laughs) but it's only just occurred to me very very recently that if I take away the equation of what a potential partner would want, my answer would be, no, I don't want children. And it's the first time I've ever been able to openly say that because I feel like when you say that, I haven't found anyone I've really wanted to settle down with. Um, and so then to 
to halve the pool yet again to guys who are quite happy to not have a child as well seemed too scary to do. You know, I felt like Mm. if I told anybody I don't want to have a child, then I would just be single for the rest of my life forever and ever. Um, And so my answer, and I do think I was being truthful in this, my answer was always I would like to have a baby if I met someone who I loved massively, enormously, and the joy that it would give me to see them as a father would mm-hmm. be enough for me to have a baby. And I, ho- mm-hmm. I had a, a lover once tell me that that wasn't a good enough response. <laughs> wow. Why? Yeah. Well, he said, no, but do you want to have a baby? And I was like, well, it would give me pleasure to have a baby with someone else. But like he kept sort of wanting to be like, but what about you? I was like, and that's what really made me sit there and think, well, do I want to have a baby? And I think I've probably reached that point in my life where I'm really quite happy to be single if, uh, if you know, I go and say to someone, look, I'm, I don't actually want to have a child. Um, you know, I'm happy to announce it now and to halve that pool yet again of like mm-hmm. eligible men who are quite happy not to have a child. That doesn't mean that it's an absolute no for me. If I fell pregnant and I was with someone that I loved, you know, I, I get FOMO. I'll go yeah sure I'll I'll have this little thing but on my measly income um I just can't picture it at this point in my life you know when you're when you're approaching the mid-30s wow putting it out there Yikes! yikes yeah look I think that's a really interesting point because um obviously Daniel and I have been together for ages so we got together uh, well, our first date was the day of my very last year 12 exam and it was so romantic. He took me to Gloria Jean's and then we went and saw the 40-year-old virgin. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we've been together for ages and so I was 17 when we got together and I it's interesting how my outlook on having kids changed because my mum had me when she was 22 and her mum had her when she was 22. So I always just thought, Hey, that's a great age to be having a kid. So, um, you know, and being young and in love, Daniel was totally on board. We were like, yep, we're going to have kids by the time we're 22. And then we got kind of close to 22 and went, Oh no, that's a terrible idea. And then we'll just wait a year or two. And then, you know, got a bit older and went, oh, no, it's still a very, very bad idea. <laughs> We're barely kids. We're barely adults ourselves. We, we, you know, we can't even look after ourselves. So we kept I kind of no putting idea. it off. Didn't you? Yeah. No, no, I was always planning to be a young mum because I really love the bonds that I have with my mum. And I thought that that might have been somehow a product of us being slightly closer in age. I, I don't know. But it just never... I never quite got there in terms of that maternal instinct in those, you know, in my early twenties. And then that's what I remember. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I very specifically remember having a conversation with Daniel, we were driving down East link. And I think we were probably mid twenties at this point. And I was saying to him, what if I never want kids? Cause I don't want kids right now. What, what if, and being, the man of integrity and generosity that he is, he said, that's okay. I can live with that. Even though this man was put on this earth to be a dad, he, he, you know, basically raised his younger sisters. He is amazing with kids. He, anybody could look at him and know that he was destined to be a dad, but 
me sitting there going, I don't know if I want kids. I'm too selfish for that. He, his response was okay. And that was kind of a, an eye opener for me because I thought, wow, he loves me that much that he's willing to forego that dream of his just to be with me. That's amazing. I didn't change my mind right then and there, but I slowly sort of came around to the idea, but mostly because I thought I would really enjoy watching him be a dad and I would really enjoy giving that to him. Yes. Do you know what I, I mean? Remember, so, I remember having those conversations with you yeah, where you yeah. said, I, I couldn't not give this guy a child, you know. Exactly. But I also remember the conversation where you said to me, I'm ready. <gasps> Do you remember that? Yeah, I don't remember, you know, specific details, but I remember that moment. I remember, you know, I remember in your early, in your maybe early 20s where you said, oh, God, AJ, I have a confession to make. I'm obsessed <laughs> with weddings. And then I remember this conversation where you said, I want a child now. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I remember it all of a sudden kind of crept up on me and it was, uh, it was probably... I don't know, maybe when I was just before I was 30. I do remember <laughs> when we were on our honeymoon, we're in this like private villa with our own private plunge pool over the overlooking the lagoon in the Maldives. And I was like, kids would totally ruin this, but I guess I have to move forward at some stage. So <laughs> Dens and I came up with <laughs> Dens and I came up with um, we called it plan 2020 or operation 2020 or something like that. And the plan was at that point, cause this was 2015 at that point, I was like, okay, I'm sure I'll be ready. Let's have a kid in 2020. And it actually <laughs> worked out that your life, born, March, 2020, your worth, life works like clockwork. I feel like your life is just, just beautifully planned and executed sort of like, like kind of, you know, if there were a God and he had gone, okay, this is going to be her plot line. He'd step back and go, yeah. And then I feel like my life is like this, this ginormous whirlwind, you know, it's probably like the devil going, ha ha, nah, you know, best laid plans. <laughs> just yeah, but you maelstrom. You thrive in that though. I need yes. order and organization and a very clear path. I need to know where I'm going. I need to put plans in place to make that happen. And I need to know what's happening in the next, you know, whatever period of time. I can't do which makes me feel free spirited. <laughs> but your 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 approach to life makes me so stressed <laughs> because you're just like maybe I'll fly here. I'll book a one-way ticket. Oh, next week I'm going to wherever and I'm going to catch a bus across this, you know, very dangerous place and I could possibly get murdered, but oh well, it's an adventure. Oh, I'm scared oh, like too. Heart palpitations. <laughs> So it's so funny, though, because, I mean, uh, one thing that has surprised me is that with statistics, um, you know, everyone talks about how people are having, you know, more women are not having children, fewer couples are having children, you know, marriages are on the decline. But in my own circles, I actually feel like, like, you know, kind of everybody is on a ship heading out to sea and I've been left on shore because I have hit that stage. You know, even last week on Instagram, there were three pregnancy announcements from friends mm. who were previously single. And 
it is just a little bit of like a oh god like it's it's you know all all of my friendship group it's all running away from me and they're all heading into this life together of babies and and couples and all this sort of stuff and I'm over here and like you know it's quite difficult to find that friendship group that uh, you know, unless in Melbourne, when I'm digital nomading, it's very different. But in Melbourne, it's very difficult to find a group of people who are like, eh, I'm single, I'm happy, I don't need a mm. baby, you know, who who sort of live the way I do. And I find that there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's that's the path that most people take. I just thought that yeah. more people would be more like me now, but they're not, actually. It's interesting because... Um you know, one of my good friends and I have spoken recently about um, her decision possibly to remain child-free by choice. And I think that that's becoming increasingly popular as a choice for people our age because, well, honestly, I don't I don't really know why, but this particular friend does have a partner. Um, So I guess it's not exactly the same situation as you're in, but you are choosing to be child-free for your lifestyle reasons, I'm assuming. Like, would you say that's the main? I, you know, a lot of people say, well, were you always not interested in children? I think that through my lifestyle, I have come to the decision that I would like to be child-free because, you know, I, I do like things in a certain way. If I was, if I were going to meet someone I loved, I would like like you to spend five years at least enjoying a single life with them. Well, that takes me almost to 40, you know? So just, I would rather, and, and having been single and unencumbered up to my mid thirties, I've developed a lifestyle I love. And that comes exceptionally difficult to let go of. Like, you know, when you've, when you have a boyfriend from 17, you're used to compromise. You're used to sort of, mm. you know, figuring out a life with other people. I haven't grown used to that. So the concept of bringing a little baby into my life, and I'm a baby. If I don't get, you know, uh, I have insomnia most of the time and I'm a sook. Like I cannot operate. Uh-huh. How am I meant to cope with a chart? No, 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 no. <laughs> you wouldn't believe the tantrum I had just this morning. Because Hux decided to wake up at five something and I didn't get to bed until midnight. And I was just like, I know it's just his latest thing. And I'm, I hate it. I don't, I don't know what to do about it. Sometimes I just turn off the monitor when I hear him crying and I go back to sleep for 10 minutes and then I roll back over and I see, you can see that he's still awake, even though there's no sound coming. And then I'm like, okay, I'll go and get you. But (laughs) I don't, someone needs to tell kids that 5am is, that's just bullshit. Anyway, sorry, totally off topic. But I think that for you, having a partner in your life would be a huge change. So big that trying to imagine having a baby in your life as well, that's just, there's no way that you can wrap your head around that. That's like me trying to figure out quantum physics or like how to use Instagram. It's just too hard to think about. It's like, it's like (laughs) how to use Instagram. It's like, uh, you know, suddenly becoming a multimillionaire. Like we can sit there and think about the houses that we would own, but the the actual reality of that is so far, far away that you don't Mm. even really pay it any sort of attention. Yeah. And, and because I've been encumbered, 
for so long with my partner. <laughs> That's been my whole adult life has been non-single, being being part of a couple. And so f- for me, I didn't have those two huge steps to do. I really only had the one huge step going from a couple to a family, I guess. So, but even for me, that was a massive, massive change. It's a change. It's such a huge change for everybody. Anybody. But, but personally for me, I found it hard because I'm such a control freak. And it wasn't until I became pregnant that I realized that up until that point, I was able to control everything in my life in to, to a certain point, you know, but once you get pregnant, that's taken away from you. You can't control what's happening in your body as the pregnancy develops, you can't control your labor and your birth and you certainly can't control a newborn and then don't even get me started on toddlers. Well, you can't even, you can't dictate their personalities, their fears, their, you know, suddenly you've got this, this entire life thrown on you that is, yeah, entirely outside of your control. Absolutely. And there's nothing like throwing a tiny little agent of chaos into the life of somebody who likes control and order to just make you lose your mind a little bit, honestly. But also you definitely can grow and develop as a person. I mean, obviously that's a given, but it was interesting. I had a phone call with my doctor the other day and, you know, we were talking about this chemical pregnancy that was, you know, making its way out of my system. And I said to her, you know, it is what it is. I'm glad it's happened, you know, this early instead of happening down the track when it would have been a bit more sad, a bit more of a tragedy. Um, You know, I'll just wait for things to take its course and then, you know, we can start trying again down the track for the next one. And she goes, you're like a whole new person (laughs) because she was with me through my, through my, first you know go at getting pregnant she's been my doctor for a few years now and she knows what I'm like I go in there pretty much already knowing what's going on I'll tell her what's wrong with me I'll I'll tell her what the treatment is and she just has to sort of say yes and write the prescriptions you know um so for me to go in there being all laid back like that she was very very shocked but it definitely does um show me that as a person I've certainly grown and developed, you know, a marginal amount at least. (laughs) I still do like things a certain way and I like plans and order and my child likes to completely upend that on an hourly basis, I would say. But, yeah, like it definitely changes. Isn't that funny? Um, I mean, I like order and systems and processes on a daily, on a day-by-day basis, like sort of just what I do day-to-day to just keep my head in order. But my greatest fear is that something might come into my life that makes it wholly processed and ordered. So I can't decide tomorrow that I'm going to fly to the UK on a one-way ticket. For you, it's the reverse. You, you're, mm-hmm. So my great challenge, perhaps, if I ever did have a partner or a child, would be having to learn to sort of work within these, these firm boundaries. Whereas for you, your greatest challenge has been to learn to actually let go and embrace this sort of chaotic order. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, it's anytime I think about your way of life, I break out in a sweat. Honestly. (laughs) Yeah. 
So I think this is the part where we promote our social media and then say adios, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, it sure is. Find us on Instagram, Still Friends Pod, and on Facebook as well. You can email us at stillfriendspod at gmail.com. And we will see you next time. Yeah, see you next time, guys. Bye. Bye.